At the end of, of every NFL season, there is a group in Kansas City that puts on an event called the 101 Awards. It's a formal dinner and awards presentation for um, top NFL players and coaches from the just completed season. When I was 17 years old, one Saturday, my mom gets a phone call from one of her brothers, my uncle. He had two tickets to the 101 award show, which was that night. My aunt wasn't free, none of my cousins were free. I'm his godson, so I was next in line. He wanted to know if I was free. Whatever I had, uh, I got out of it once I learned who would be at this banquet, you know, all the great football players of the day and coaches. But there was a catch, right? It wasn't enough for me to accept this invitation. I had to get a tuxedo. It was a formal dinner. And obviously I didn't have one. And thankfully there was a rental place that had something that would fit me and was relatively inexpensive. And I had a great time. But I always think about that night when I read this parable, the parable of the wedding feast, right? You know, it wasn't enough for me to just accept this invitation. I had to act. I had to show up in proper attire for this formal dinner. So too, in this parable that Jesus gives us, it's not enough to accept the king's invitation, right? The attendants must be properly clothed in a wedding garment. That's really the key to this parable, the wedding garment. We'll talk about what that means in a minute, but let's first look at, at our first reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking of a time when God will definitively free his people from oppression and suffering. The victory of the Lord will culminate with a joyful marriage free feast on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Speaks of, of, of providing for his people a feast of rich food and choice wine. Also says he will destroy the veil that veils the people's death will be destroyed forever and every tear wiped away. There's a lot going on in this short first reading. There's allusions to the Eucharist with the, with the rich food and, and choice wines. There's allusions to the resurrection with the destruction of death and the kingdom uh, that Christ will usher in the fullness of when he comes again, with every tear being wiped away and God dwelling with his people. This first reading, it exalts God's fidelity to his promise. It, it gives us this picture of what God invites all of us to, this wedding feast of his son. And, you know, these, if, if that first reading speaks to the fidelity of God, his goodness, our gospel reminds us that we have a role to play. We must respond to God's invitation. We must cooperate with him. For God invites us. He doesn't force us. He invites all to the eternal wedding feast of his son. A wedding feast that is in its fullness in the next life, but is meant to begin here and now as well. He still only invites. He respects our freedom. And this parable serves as something of a warning as well as a guide um, for how we ought to respond. And there are a variety of responses to the king's invitation, right? We see the first response is those who simply ignore it. 
and they go on their way. One goes to the farm, another goes to his business. This stands as a warning against responding to God's invitation with indifference or thinking we are too busy or have more important things to do. Then we have those who react with hostility to the invitation and, and attack and kill these servants. Right? This, this is a warning against responding to Christ's invitation with indignation, with hostility, with an offended who-do-you-think-you-are attitude. To accept Christ's invitation is to acknowledge that we aren't the rule in measure of reality, that we don't determine for ourselves what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, but God does. The third response is a warning against incomplete repentance or an incomplete conversion. This is the guy who doesn't have the wedding garment. He's accepted the invitation, but he's not properly attired, right? He represents those who accept the invitation which comes through the church and the sacraments but his yes to Christ was not carried out in how he lived his life. He wanted the good things of the kingdom, but he didn't break with his sinful ways. He wanted the crown without the cross. The man without the wedding garment is someone who listens to the words of Jesus, but doesn't act upon them. Finally, we have those who accept the invitation and are wearing the wedding garment. The wedding garment, you know, Different commentators will say it stands for different things. It's not necessarily an either-or. But it stands for the holiness that God wants to give us, as well as righteous deeds, right? Righteous deeds is living a life that corresponds to God's grace, seeking to love God, to love neighbor. Think of the Beatitudes, right? But this is also holiness, something God gives us. It is a grace of God and we allow and we allow him to transform us, to make us holy. Um, he, he is crowning his own gifts, so to speak. How do we allow him to transform us? How do we allow him to make us holy? Well, a good place to start is here at the Mass. You know, I began this homily by talking about this 101 banquet and at 17 how excited I was to go and, and meet, you know, Chiefs players like Priest Holmes and Trent Green and whatever social thing I had that night I canceled, told my friends I'd see him, see him at school on Monday. Why? I, I was so excited because of who was there. Well, every Sunday we are invited to a far, far greater banquet. It, it, as good as that time was, to a far greater banquet with a far, far more exalted guest. Every Sunday, Jesus Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity becomes present under the appearance of bread and wine on the altar. He becomes present to give himself to us, to sanctify us and make us holy, to console us and, and, um, and help us to deal with our difficulties in life. But too often, too often we react with indifference or we might react with hostility to the idea that mass is an obligation, that I, something that I'm obliged to do. What he gives us here is the greatest of gifts. You know, the mass is the source and summit of the faith. If we, of the, of the Christian life, if we want to be found wearing a wedding garment on the last day, we would 
we would be wise to make the Mass the source and summit of our life, of our individual life. Then he will make us into those saints he created us to be.